Welcome back to episode four of So What's New in the Biscuit Tin. I'm Jess. And I'm Sam. And we are just two sewists chatting about life. Um, how are you, Sam? I'm good. I've started on my Make 9, which this year is actually sewing techniques rather Ooh. than patterns or fabrics. Because there's definitely techniques like a welt pocket and a fly zip that I felt I needed to try. So I've put as many of those as I could on my Make 9 this year. Nice. Do you know what you're going to focus on this month? Some of them are a bit scary. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I do I do feel like I need to do a fly zip. It's a good one. It's a good time of year for a pair of trousers, isn't it? Well, um, do you know what? So I filmed back last year, I filmed a fly zip tutorial, like a one-minute real one. I was so surprised. I've been terrified of them for years, and I was so surprised by how easy it was. Um, well, that would help I'm hoping it's going to be, yeah. I'm hoping it's going to be like the dread I had for invisible zips and then feel good about those now. So I'll uh, have a look at your reel on that. <laughs> Do you know what my top tip would be with fly bits? Is there's, there's loads of tutorials which are great. Frankly, what did it for me was I just stared at a pair of foam trousers and I just kept doing and undoing the zip <laughs> and just looking at them. And that I suddenly went, oh, I see. And then it was fine. So, Jess, what are you up to? I am... Well, I'm up my eyes in wedding sewing, as I will be until, like, November. Um, so the big breakthrough has been, I have, as some of you know, I have four bridesmaids, and um, they're all friends of mine. And I'm sewing their dresses because I'm an idiot, um, <laughs> and I've agreed to do this. I, I am very excited. Um, one of my bridesmaids is going to be giving us her flat for a weekend. They're all going to come down so I can basically... I'm going to sew four dresses in a weekend, roughly, wow. just as in like, <laughs> just as in like enough to make sure they fit and then I can finish them in that at home. Mm. But I have decided my pattern and colours and everything. So I am making, for anyone who's interested, the Vogue V, I'm going to get the number right. I am, I'm going to do it. 9328. Um, and I'm making view E, so it's like a nice sort of, um, it's like a v-neck, it's princess seam, nice full skirt, floaty sleeves, but they're going to be in velvet, and they're all going to be in different colours of velvet. Nice. Because we're having an autumn winter wedding, so I don't want them to be freezing either. Um, no. Velvet's quite cosy. So the next job is to find four colours of velvet I want. and to... I know a good place for velvet. Do you? Yes. Uh, so JB Fabrics in Slough. They oh, have yes. some lovely velvet and they, because they, um, he does all the sourcing for the fabric himself. A lot of it <laughs> comes from Pakistan. When I was in before Christmas, they had some black velvet with this amazing gold embroidery on it as well. Oh my but God. They have a lot, they have a lot of plain velvets and then they had this red velvet again with like a gold embroidery pattern across it. But they're oh. really, a really good selection there. So nice. I'll, I'll have to take you there sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because most people only have about two shades of velvet. Um, no, no, he had a good a selection. A oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the big challenge at the moment. And then I'm going to be diving into ties. However, as it's February as well, some of you who are following me may know, it's also building up to a very, very special month of the year. Um, and I am up to my eyes and so yellow for endo planning. I'm so excited to be able to reveal all to you very, very soon. Actually, when this episode comes out, it will be incredibly soon. That'll be telling mm. you all about it. Um, and if you have never joined in before, 
please do. We're going to do an episode about it, so you can also listen to um, us talk about Soya Leferendo if you don't know what it is. But it's a challenge I set up to raise awareness for endometriosis. We raise money, we raise awareness, we sew lots of yellow things, and you get to hear experts and endo warriors talk about their experiences as well. So it's it's my baby. It's something I'm very proud of, um, and I'm very excited to... And it's fantastic. I think it does a brilliant awareness raising. I've got my yellow fabric already. Oh, nice. Yeah. Love organisation. As always, <laughs> I do well, you've not. Got, you, you've got to watch out for the good stuff, you know. Um, yes, and, and I've got my first uh, social of the year coming up as well, very soon after Yay. this episode comes out. I took a break in January, but um, yeah, first one of the year, uh, in-person social event. We're talking You're about excited? that in another episode, aren't we, at some point? I, I believe we, I we, think are, we are. Yes, I think it's coming up quite soon, actually. Yeah, yeah and we've got, um, we have some people come on tour. I'm very excited. I love doing them. I love um, choosing the fabric for the raffle prize because I get to shop without it going into my stash. <laughs> love that. Is always, shopping yes. is its own incredibly fun thing. Sometimes it really is. That, but I am so excited um, for your next socials as well. They are brilliant. If anyone hasn't been along, you should. But we are doing a brilliant episode as well with some fabulous people from all over the country. Um, so you can find out a bit more about socials. Yeah, especially if you're not sure or nervous. And, and it's quite interesting. The more I've done on this, the more I've learned that actually for some people, they want to come, but they're nervous. So yeah. hopefully our episode will help with that. And I know that some people have come to the virtual one first, almost like a dipping the toe in. And then it's helped build their confidence to coming. Um, Which is brilliant. Yes, we, yeah. Do you think we ought to crack on with today's episode? I think we probably should. Uh, Sam, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about pattern hacking. And by that, we don't mean adjusting a pattern to fix. That's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> and we're definitely going to do that. And people who uh, watch me or Jess on um, YouTube and Insta will know we love a bit of pattern adjusting. But this is pattern hacking where you're actually combining two patterns together or playing around with a pattern um so uh that's what today's episode is about so i think pattern hacking is an interesting one because sometimes it can feel like it's quite scary um it can definitely feel like something you're not necessarily meant to do even though mm. it's totally fine and like you know absolutely like it's your goal and you've got to make what you want to make but i definitely i know that there's a feeling sometimes of sort of apprehension around doing it i am uh hacking more than most people I would say I was just going to say actually I I've always been a bit of a, a hacking type person I would say I'm a life hack person as well um but since I've started running like the socials virtual and in person I've realized as you said how scary some people find it and I've been thinking about why and I've realized that there is um, there's a general generational element and I know we were talking on a previous episode about generations and there's a lovely lady who comes to my socials called Mary and she hears a voice in her head of her mum telling her not to be showy and I'm working with Mary on being That's a showy it is isn't it and I've been working with Mary Mary and I are championing being showy at the moment and um, I know Mary wouldn't mind me talking about it because she spoke about it on a virtual uh, social and I think there's definitely people who grew up being taught to sew at school maybe or um, taught in a way where it was you have to do it the right way and I think we did talk about it before in an episode didn't we where I wasn't taught by anyone I taught myself 
So to me, sort of making it up as I go along is just sort of natural to me. And Mary said to me the other week, she said, uh, you do make my bottom clench at times, Samantha, <laughs> the way you just go off at a tangent on it. And she oh said, but I've taught her not to be a perfectionist because no one will know. And I know exactly. we're going to talk about perfectionism another time. Yeah. Another time. Yeah. Um, but I thought it, it does all fit together, doesn't it? Because I literally sew a pattern the way it's meant to be sewn probably once. Mm. <laughs> and after that, I'm like, can I take the collar off? Can I change the sleeve? And my brain just goes off to a different direction. But so that's brilliant. I, and I do think you're right. I think part of it is being self-taught. Sometimes you're sort of you're not necessarily aware of a right or a wrong way to do something. But I love it. I'm my boyfriend says that well, sorry, my fiance now. I'm not used to that yet. Um says <laughs> that I am allergic to instructions. Um yeah. I just I, in my family, I was very much raised to believe that instructions are cheating. Um, and obviously they're not. That's insane. However, I basically don't read instructions unless I'm pattern testing. And sometimes, like uh, when I was making my Alex coat before Christmas, like, you know, gorgeous pattern, love it, really excited about it. Um, but I do get this minute where it goes, oh, and you should do this. I'm like, oh, oh no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to yeah. do that. I'm not going to. I'm sure it'll be fine without. And I think it's yeah. that voice of, because I know you have it as well, you go, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah. That a lot of people don't have. And quite understandably, because if you're like, oh, no, I'm going to mess up my nice fabric. I get that. Like, you mm. don't want to spend the money again as well. But that's definitely the bit that has made it so much more sort of, uh refreshing for me is when i started buying like duvet covers from charity shops and fabric looking at fabric and going do you know what i'm not going to actually wear that out so i'm not going to be upset if i get this wrong and i know the fancy name of toile or muslin or whatever um but interesting that you're you say you're allergic to, to instructions <laughs> uh, i i like to like get to know the pattern almost before i sew it so one of the things mm. i love to do is if I'm about to sew a new pattern, I will watch YouTube after YouTube video, like in the background while I'm working or something about the the pattern, if I can find them. Yeah. And I'll, I will like glance read the pictures in a pattern. So not the words. I'm not a big fan of the words. And someone mm -hmm. was talking about this in one of my socials that they're, a lot of a lot of sewists describe themselves as visual learners. So the pictures mm. mean so much more to a lot of people. Oh, way more, yeah. And and I sort of do that and then I put it aside and and once I feel like I understand the pattern um but I I like to I like to hack patterns because I'm playing with something that I know does okay. that make sense no definitely and I definitely wouldn't hack a pattern I hadn't already made because you don't know how it's going to fit either mm. but I think what's quite interesting is you know what you were saying earlier about making using the fabrics you kept like that matter less to you yeah. I'm the opposite I if I'm using a fabric I don't really care about I don't really care about the make either I'm just sort of oh. I will half-ass it whereas if I use my nice fabric a bit of my brain goes now come on you have to do this properly because this is your nice fabric so get a grip um, and what I do instead of reading the instructions beforehand like I'll have a glance over but I sit with the actual physical pattern pieces on the floor that's mm. my process. I will sit there and I will look at them and generally it's 10, 15 minutes and I can go that 
right I can see how that's going to fit into there and why that's that shape but I think yeah. I'm quite a I said there is a word for it I learn by doing so I like yep. to, be able to yeah. actually pick it up and move it around so that's kinesthetic yeah that's the one yeah yeah I think... <laughs> but there's so many different ways of doing it and getting to yeah. patterns I, I'm a bit like that when I'm when I'm cutting out the pattern I'm looking at which pieces like go together Mm. And I think that's my Lego brain as well, looking at how do these fit together. I love the um, idea of Lego brain. I think that's what we should call kinesthetic learning. It should be called Lego yes. brain. Yes, um, that's, that's definitely better. Because <laughs> like you, I have to hold the pieces and, and look at how they work together and, and like know the pattern. But there are other people, and I'm sure people listening, who read it and visualise it as they read it. Yeah, or there, read there it. So and, my partner's like that. Um, Mm. I adore him, but he is a level of sort of, he is able to process things in a way I, I, I have to pick everything up and do it, whereas mm. he is very good at reading something and seeing how it will happen. Mm. Which I, I get. how and many sewists are actually like pick it up people rather than well, read it people. Why don't we do a poll in mm. the group and see? Yeah. That would be really interesting. Because I think Cause I as think... well, in terms of designing sewing patterns that's something useful for brands to know exactly what i was gonna say because i was thinking about that if i was designing a pattern i'd be really interested in in what the split in demographic is to help me design a pattern that works for people because patterns really try to do both don't they they try to do for wordy and for picture people but also more and more patterns have so long so um, like official ones so donna besides me sewing she won't mind me saying she does Mm. that on every pattern there is a step-by-step video Mm. tutorial where she can you can see exactly what she Mm. does so you've got that the pictures and the instructions and the written instructions and i feel like she's really gone covering all bases which i really appreciate Yeah, and the big four, their pictures often do not make sense. No. Um, I quite like the the photograph pictures, but as long as they've got good contrast between the background mm. and the thing, and I'm the one thing fan. I wish they would, the, I, what I wish they would do is when they take those photos, is use a contrasting thread. So I say this in every, you know, I pattern test quite a lot. Yeah. Every single pattern test I do, I put the feedback in saying, can you use a bright red thread or can you use mm. something? Um, mm. so that I can see what's happening. So I think one of my big issues with photographed instructions, A, is people putting the images in the wrong order or like mm. putting images in a way that makes sense to them. And you go, no, but that makes me think I have to start weirdly. Mm. And using a fabric where the right and wrong side aren't obvious. Oh, tell me about it. That does so me nuts. frustrating. Yeah. But also, particularly with top stitching, under stitching, like either I want you to literally highlight over what I'm doing mm. or like on the image after you've taken it or use a giant contrasted thread but it would make yeah. it so much easier it and would I, I think and... a bit croaky and um, i've not been well for a couple of weeks so i'm just a bit um croaky today so my voice keeps cutting out um i think as well there is a lack of understanding that sewing crosses many many demographics yeah and i don't think that there is much accessibility in terms well. of pattern instructions that's what I was about to say, because actually for me, I actually mostly choose um, PDF patterns now because I can zoom in on the picture then on my phone or my laptop. Yes. Because I've reached the point where I have to wear reading glasses, sad face. Uh, I wear them because it's silly not to. But And they're not super strong. But even for me, 
I need to zoom in on that picture now to get the detail properly. And I know there's lots of people with far stronger glasses needs than myself. Mm. And if I'm struggling, then I agree with you that, that these tiny pictures and things, they, they're not helpful. So I, I, I mostly get PDFs because I can just zoom in as much as I want then on my the phone. PDFs my make a big difference. But also, I, mm. so I'm banging on about this at work a lot. Um, or was before Christmas, and I am now as a freelancer just still saying it constantly. I don't understand why the default for everything is black writing on a white background, considering we know that doesn't work for people who are dyslexic. Yeah. It would be well, it's so not even simple. It, there's, um, oh, the word's now gone from my head. There is another type of visual um, issue, Erlen's, that yes. gets confused with dyslexia, and it isn't dyslexia, but you're right, for Erlen's people, black on white is the worst. It makes individual letters jump out. It makes it like tunnel vision. And the second you change the background to like pink, cream, yeah. you know, different people have preferred colours. Of course um, they do. But, but I've worked in schools it. where we've said no white backgrounds because it, for any of us, it's really tiring on the eye as well. Oh, no, yeah, but it's such a simple change. Mm, I think that's the yeah. thing. And, like, also offering free versions of your instructions that are large print. Yeah, yeah, Things definitely. Like that. It doesn't need yeah. to be difficult. Well, now we've uh, taught them oh, how we, to print a pattern. We have. <laughs> Should we go back right to hacking them? <laughs> massively. But as always, very enjoyably. Um, as we said, and we said that's what to expect of our pod, didn't we? That we'd go off on a weird tangent. <laughs> Question for you on pattern hacking. Is there a hack you find yourself doing a lot? Like, do you find yourself changing sleeves a lot? Or, like, is there something you find you're changing more than everything else? Yes. So definitely sleeves i think i can't remember the last time i used the official sleeve on a pattern um but also hacking tops into dresses that's one of my favorite ones to do um after i've made the top once that's it i'm like "Mm, what kind of dress could i make with this um (laughs) and you know will it be like a super like gathered one multiple gathered layers will it be more straight one so i think that's definitely like i like to take a skirt part of a different dress and hack it onto the top of another dress i Mm. love doing that um but but the thing i most likely do is if it's a woven pattern i'll go can i hack this into a jersey so that's That's so interesting because i think that's something a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing to Mm. be honest myself included because I think if I felt I had enough brain on the day, I'd be fine. But I, I so rarely sew with jersey. Not because I can't. I just don't really wear much jersey. Um, but don't worry. Come I back to be... me in 20 years, Jess. You might have changed your mind then. <laughs> Do you know what it is? I never see jersey patterns I like. So maybe I just need to well, have some of my favourite wovens. Maybe that's I rarely is. buy jersey patterns. That's the thing. So um, first of all, I made up a dress by watching various YouTubes. It was my first jersey dress I made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, so what I do is if I like the shape of a dress, and but let's say like it's got a zip in it, my mm-hmm. first thought is, could I do this in jersey so I wouldn't need the zip? Uh, um, and then you do need to size down. That's the thing to remember. Um, so I always size down normally one size. And then I know that because I'll be sewing it on my overlocker, if it's still too big, I can just go along the edge again and just do a whole new seam because 
that's the thing about Soma and the Overlocker and with Jersey is so let's take like the seasons of East Summer in New York dress that I now have six versions yeah, of, of half face. of which are yeah, half <laughs> of which are Jersey. Um the first time I made it in Jersey, I cut it as I say, one size down, but round the waist it was still a bit loose. So all I did was just run that back through the overlocker. And of course it cuts off the previous uh, seam and just creates a whole new seam for you. So no and, one yeah. ever knows that it was bigger. Well, it makes a huge difference. And that's one thing I do love doing is sometimes, and again, we will talk about this a bit more in the adjustments episode, but I think sometimes you can get really hung up on doing adjustments properly. Whereas sometimes I will put something on and just go, oh, well, I'm just going to whack two inches out of the seam. It'll be right. Yeah. You know, yeah, I do that pretty standard you know mm. but but quite interestingly what i have realized if you take a woven pattern and it's got darts you can put them in jersey and i think sometimes people are not so sure about that but you can so yeah, sure. you've got you can you've got choices so i'd say either just put your stretch needle in and do a normal stitch or you could do as a, a lightning stitch you've it, it, you know and i buy like i bought like i don't know it's like 199 a meter or something jersey fabric from rainbow fabrics in one of their sales and it mm-hmm. i didn't love it but it didn't matter because yeah, exactly. i wanted to test something out and i think that's the thing about pattern hacking that i've realized is it's like any other creative endeavor not everything we do has to be wear worthy or if you're painting no, you're on the wall worthy well. yeah not everything i think we put so much pressure on ourselves mm. everything that comes off our machine to be stunning and you're like yeah well, this is also a hobby it's a skill in the same mm. way that you know when people do pottery they bin half of what they make because it looks yep. you know, rubbish and that's completely fine mm. but i think when it comes to clothes there's a weird intersectionality between the sort of slow fashion, not consuming clothes and, oh, I'm not going to sew very much. But it's like the reality is if you're a beginner sewist and you're not sewing a lot, you're also not going to advance as quickly as someone who is sewing every day. Yeah. And also, if you sew with an old pillowcase to try out a collar, you don't yeah. have to make the whole of the outfit to yeah. try out making a bigger collar. And that's I think, you know, that's the, that, that's, that if if someone's thinking because I've had some messages actually on my vlog saying I've been people saying I'm a bit scared to start to hack. so I've had people on vlogs where I've talked about hacking say they're nervous to have a go so one of the things I've said is start just with like making the collar bigger or smaller because mm. that's a great way to practice a hack because all you're doing is going I'm going to like widen the collar by two centimeters or shorten it by two centimeters because suddenly you've created a different kind of collar what would be your tip Jess for someone who's not hacked to start to dip their toe in I would think about a pattern like if you're if you're dipping your toe in and you're not sure I would think of a pattern you can already make with your eyes shut something you feel really confident with and I would think about things like skirt length and sleeves so for Mm -hmm. example you might say oh I have a stunning mini dress that I love I could maybe make it a maxi dress again you're not doing anything different your seams are longer but what you are getting used to doing is measuring your body because the big thing with packing is suddenly you don't have a pattern piece so you have to think a little bit more about how you work not how the garment works how your body works how long your limbs are what your waist measurements are, what your hip measurements are, 
I know that if I look at a pattern and I want to, for example, um, make a blouse into a skirt, that I have quite a high natural waist. So the short and open lines or the natural waist of the pattern may not be where I am. So I think even just making a dress longer, uh, changing a sleeve. So if it's a puff sleeve, letting it be a loose, more of a butterfly sleeve, adding sleeves. If it's a cap sleeve, make it longer. Just little, little adjustments where you can think about length, think about how you work mm. and then make notes would be my other big tip. So if you go, right, okay, um, I've got short legs. So if I'm, you know, hacking a pattern and I want it to be to my ankle, I need my skirt to be this length. And if you start, you build up little notes about yourself and you get to know your own body. And I think for me, that would be my top tip for hacking. I don't... Um, my tip would be if you're hacking like a top into a dress is based it on the first time. Um, you yes. know, really lengthen your stitch, not as far as a gathering but sort of I go from I don't know what it, the official thing is but on mine I normally stitch at about 2.8 and I lengthen it to about 3.5 um when yeah. I baste because it's so much easier to unpick but I it's stable enough five or sometimes yeah. I do 3.5 and top stitching thread because it's huge and I can see mm-hmm. it yeah and I would say it's a great one because it's it's better than pinning because sometimes I pin something to try and get a sense and you just don't get the same sense as if you based it on, put it on and look at it. And it's so easy to unpick, but it's stable enough for you to really assess the look of the the, the skirt added to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can easily unpick that and then bring it up because m- most of the time we will baste it lower than our natural waist. And you need to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and think, does this sit where I want it to sit? Tip is that, like, particularly when you're going back to Soma Jersey, the weight of the skirt will pull everything down. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to think about how you, you have to pattern hacking not to make it sound scary because it's not it's lovely it's very easy generally unless you really want to go for it in a weird way um but you have to think a little bit about what your changes are going to do and what I sometimes do particularly if I'm really treading into sort of foreign waters with something is I will sit down and I will make little bullet points even like three in my notes on my phone and I'll say right I'm changing from this fabric to this fabric and I'll just sort of brainstorm almost. I'll just sit and have a think and go, right, well, Jersey is going to be heavier. Do I need to move it up? Or this was originally cut and bias. Is it going to stretch if I use a heavier fabric? Just little things like that. It doesn't have to be, I mean, at the end of the day, just use fabric you don't like as well if you're really not sure. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be perfect. But the more you sit and self-reflect, the easier you will find it long term and the more you will build those skills to be able to just do it because Sam does it I would say 90% more than I do it because I am a lazy lazy service and I go oh I could just make it though and I wouldn't have to think about it but every now and then I go for it and I really like to have a little debrief with myself afterwards all contrast by the way I never make notes ever yeah it's so interesting listening to you talking about making notes uh, sorry, that's not true. There is the rare time when I've got too many ideas in my head and mm-hmm. too many patterns I want to like play with. And then I will just jot down which fabric's going with which pattern. <laughs> I'm looking right now at the notes from my last summer I made Barbie outfit. 
Um, my oh, I remember that, yeah. And because that was completely drafted from scratch, I used, well, no, mostly drafted from scratch. I drafted the skirt completely myself. And then the top is the bodice of the Friday Pattern Company Saltwater changed a lot. And I'm looking at my notes from that now, and it's like one rectangle wide hips, question mark, um, sheared panel swimwear elastic on top or too stretchy. And then there is an un like about 15 lines of very confusing maths. What I think this shows you is the difference between the two of us. Whatever works for you, whatever makes you feel better, whatever's going to help you. If you're the kind of person who, like, um, my partner writes notes after every jiu-jitsu session he goes to, so he wow. can consolidate what he's learned. Mm. So if that's you, props to you. If you're the kind of person who just goes, oh, maybe I could do that, or just, you know, I would encourage sitting and having a think. You don't have to write it down. Just yeah, to I definitely think, start. particularly when I'm driving, that's when I think a lot about what I'm going to do, actually. Do you? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I find that when I'm driving, my brain has, like, there's like a, because I'm driving a very familiar route when I'm driving to work, mm. my brain has space to go off on, like, a little, like, creative wonder at the same time, and I get thoughts that I wouldn't have at any other time if I try to sit and think about it, um, and, and I get sort of ideas. I was just thinking, do you think there's two types of sewists? There's the sewists who are very... Uh, I look back at my mine and your personal journey to where we've got to. We both come from very creative backgrounds. And mm. I often talk to people who go, oh, I'm not very creative. Oh, I'm not creative. Uh, and and I do believe everybody is. I can We could do, oh, talk yeah. about a whole hour about, I think, that. There's there's an amazing programme that... Grace and Perry. There you go. It's come back to me. So Grace and Perry did... Yeah, Grace and Perry did a really interesting programme a good few years ago. Something like It was about like tribes of Britain or something. Or it was... I can't remember what it was called, but it was, he went and visited lots of different groups of people around the UK and he like me had this belief that humans are innately creative and people who say they're not just don't realize how they're being creative so he met people who did their homes up like you know loved to decorate their homes he met other people who did up their cars and put like spoilers and all mm -hmm. those sorts of things on it and he met a whole group of people with tattoos and um and he you know and through talking to people what he came to the conclusion was which is what he kind of suspected is that human beings innately want to express themselves we we've come into this weird place now where where we think creativity is like a very sort of uh, middle class thing where you've got to paint or do this and actually a lot of people feel that that's not them but mm. actually if you look at most people they are expressing themselves in some way Absolutely. shape or form and I think that because you and I have come through this journey through being naturally creative people either you know through the environment or you know if you look at yourself with your ballet and your music and me through my painting mm. that perhaps gives us a creative confidence that maybe other people who've not been on a similar journey might be why they're frightened to hack because they don't have that confidence well, I don't know. Or what do you think? I, I know. I, I think there is something there, and I think it's quite interesting because one of um one of my very good friends, she definitely says she's not creative. She absolutely is, and mm. she's been learning to crochet. 
Um, and she was quite interesting because she was like, oh, I just don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to get it wrong. It's like, yeah, but what happens if you get it wrong? Absolutely mm. nothing. Um, mm. And I would say, like, I definitely used to think I wasn't very creative because I had a very prescriptive view. I think, A, growing up in a very creative family, I didn't necessarily realise how creative my environment was until I wasn't mm. in it. Um, but also, I had quite a prescriptive view of what creative was. I had one sister who's an incredible actress. I have one sister who's an incredible artist. And then I was like, that's insane. Mm. <laughs> but that can be what people grow up with. They go, oh, I'm, Definitely. I'm not good at music at school. I'm not good at art. So I'm not creative. And you're like, no, you're just creative in a very different way. Mm. Some people My stepdaughter's like, like that. She she thinks she's not creative. Yeah, exactly what you said. She 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 loves to act and, and, and really create the character, make the character her own. And she loves to write. And I'm really trying to get her to understand that they are creative pursuits too. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. what Sam said earlier, and actually I'm going to circle it beautifully back to Pattern Hacking yeah. using this, is thinking about your why. And I would also encourage you to think about this with Pattern Hacking because when you are pattern hacking it should be for the joy of doing it or for going you know what i'd love this pattern if it had this it should not be because you see everybody else pattern hacking and think mm. you should be doing it it mm. is totally fine to make something and like it as it is and make 17 of it that's also fine yeah but yeah pattern hacking is a way of expressing yourself beyond the existing pattern you don't need to do it if you don't want to but you no. can if you want to. And that is, I, oddly, that's the message I think of today's podcast, actually. It's, I think it is, yeah. Do it, do it. If you don't, do it. don't worry about it. And if it doesn't work, stick yes. it away and don't ever tell anyone and it'll all be fine. Or tell <laughs> yeah. And just yeah. be like, guys, I messed this up massively and we'll all be like, woo, so did we, you know. You know what, the amount of people who find it so helpful when somebody says to them, do you know I messed up? I had that a long time ago. I had, uh, when I was a teacher, I, you know, I used to feel a lot of pressure as you do as a teacher. And the one thing that I always have is a messy cupboard, which I used to hide, used to hide from everyone. Mm. And people used to say, well, you're so efficient. You're so efficient. And one day the deputy of the school, his name was Doug. He'd been teaching a long, long time to the point where he was seeing children of the children he taught. And he came to see me in my classroom about something and I was in my cupboard and he came to the cupboard door and he looked at my cupboard and he said, seeing your cupboard makes me feel better about myself. (laughs) And I just took a moment to think this man who I massively respected, who'd been teaching double as long as me, who knew so much, had found it freeing to see my cupboard. (laughs) I was like, you know, let's... Yeah. everyone's got a messy cupboard whether metaphorical yeah. or really everyone my desk yeah. is a tip at work yeah. my colleagues look at me and one of my colleagues did turn around to me and she's like you're one of the most organized people i've ever met in my life but what is your desk what <laughs> how and i was like if the desk is messy my mind is tidy yeah if the desk is clean my mind is messy and i'm having an existential crisis yeah That's- i think that sense of feeling up pressure to be spot on and what you think everybody else expects actually do you know what showing someone that you know not everyone choose but showing someone that other version a mistake you've made or your messy cupboard or whatever you can give them an amazing gift I think sometimes by letting them see that you can and the other side of that is that we all get to see you 
which mm. is the most important thing because there is Instagram can and I think it's less so now well a little bit less but it definitely mm. can give this Im- impression this image that you have to be perfect you have to be churning out fantastic makes before mm. Christmas I did a photo series on me pattern matching I hate oh I love that <laughs> do you know what my favorite thing about that was is that was actually happening and Adam just kept turning around again because I take a photo of you because this is hilarious <laughs> and I was like yeah fine <laughs> And then I was like, right, okay, I put it on there. And it was great because I went through the stages of, oh my God, this is impossible. Why am I even trying? No, no, maybe it is possible. No, the project is doomed. I can't even get it out of two meters of fabric, let alone pattern match it. And then, hooray, I got it out of two meters of fabric. And Adam was like, but it's not the same fabric. And I was like, shut up. It's cut out. I'm getting a coat. Like, yeah, <laughs> we are yeah. where we are. The lovely, the, the lovely Nadia of Stitch and Star with Nadia. She put a picture on before Christmas of when she was at her social and how she sewed the sleeve onto the neck hole of the top. <laughs> and I love that she took a picture of it and held it up smiling because I thought that gift to so many people of saying, do you know what? I messed up, but it's okay. And I, yeah. I love that Nadia did that. It's great because it just reminds us that we're all human and we all yeah. do our hobby. And none of us are perfect. Yeah. And, that's and, fine. And, and we're not robots. This is what I always say when people mess up. I go, great. That just reminds me that you're not a robot. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, we're always here. Send us your sewing fails. We do love to see it. So we are into our dilemma segment. Each week we're going to talk about dilemma or a sewing fail from you lovely people. Um and today's one I want to talk about because not necessarily a massive dilemma, but it's, I was really sad when I read it and I wanted to talk about it because I don't think this person is on their own. Um, and somebody has written into in our dilemma box to say, I'm just terrible at sewing. I'm a relatively new sewist, but I'm really struggling with it. And I wanted to use this as today's dilemma because mm-hmm. I don't think this lovely sewist is on her own. Yeah. I think, I think it's very easy to think when you first start oh my god I'm awful at this firstly mm. you're not because you're doing it you're yeah. giving it a go and as we've said in this episode if it's fun do it if you want to do it do it like it does not have to be perfect I don't know Sam when you started sewing did you ever feel like that oh my goodness yeah I mean I, I tried sewing patterns many times before I got to where I am now that I still have um a blouse that I started about six years ago that I I tried and I used a big four pattern and it got too hard and I just thought it must be me it must be me that's terrible and at that mm-hmm. time sewing sewists on YouTube weren't a big thing so yeah. I felt pretty alone um and I put it away and I never thought about it again and before that I tried to make a few years before that I tried to make a pencil skirt and I tried to just make it up myself and of course it didn't work out because I didn't know what to do with the zip and the the top because I'd never made one before um and so that was like what I considered a fail so I just had these and then uh, about 18 months ago I tried to just make up a summer dress myself without any idea <laughs> what I was doing and again I put it on and went Mugh. and I think that sometimes we take ourselves in at a point that's too hard and mm. what I hadn't realized was I was often sewing bags and things and what I hadn't realized was that I needed to start at a point where I could build my confidence but also build my knowledge and that's where picking 
a pattern from an indie company, I think, is a much better starting point because they are written for, if you particularly choose a beginner one, they're written for you to hold your hand, like you said, with the sew along all the way through. And it does mm. build your confidence. And and I love Friday Pattern Company because of the way they write, you know, and the fact that her her logo is a seam ripper. You know, yeah, and, and, and I love the fact that. that she's proud of that uh, and the way it's written and the fact that they always film a, a, a sew along that you can watch as well. And I and I had nobody at the time to tell me that was a better way. So and I'm not even sure if there was many indie pattern companies when I tried before. And I think if you don't know other sewing people or you haven't found the sewing community on either instagram or youtube you could so easily feel like that ladies put there and i would say pick an intermediate path uh, sorry a beginner pattern from an indie company and and sew it in a fabric you don't care about and learn as you go along even if it's an old pillowcase or whatever you've got in the airing cupboard and and get to know that pattern because the confidence you'll get from doing that will build and that's how I started again when I started and I think remember like Jess was saying that what we see on Instagram might be people's successes or might be them four five whatever years into their journey. thing I get a lot yep. of because I'm a younger service in the space mm. um although aging rapidly um <laughs> because I'm a younger service in the space I get a lot of people going, how did you get so good so quickly it's like no 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 I've been sewing since I was 17 mm. on and off but I started nearly 10 years ago no, yeah 10 years ago pretty much yeah 10 years ago in the summer um, I am going to add to what Sam, the fantastic advice Sam has given is there is a lot of pressure when you start sewing to make certain things and mm. I personally think that is nonsense yeah it is very hard to find motivation to make something you don't actually want to wear or make Mm. So I would strongly encourage having a look at your ready-to-wear wardrobe, thinking of the things you love wearing, you know, maybe there's a summer dress you really like, and trying to find a pattern like it from an indie designer, because then you know you're going to like the end result. That helps mm. a lot with motivation. But also, people go, oh, you're starting saying you must make a bag, you must make a shirt. And you're like, do I, do I have no. to do that? No, no, no I don't. do not. You pick an by all means, pick an indie pattern, try and pick something that's beginner friendly. But if you don't actually care about or like what you're making, it is not going to help your motivation. Um, but also, I think you have to remember, most people don't feel comfortable sharing their fails, which is very, very sad. Mm-hmm. But we all have them. No one starts sewing perfectly. My mum was a costumier and she was fantastic. Even then, like she, when she started sewing, she's, you know, she freely admits she started sewing when she was quite young. She was like, it was all rubbish. You know, mm-hmm. it's everybody has to start somewhere. What matters though is that you keep coming back to your machine and yeah. you keep showing up and you keep doing things you like and you keep going because one day you will look at yourself and go, I just self-drafted a jacket lining or I just banged a zip and I didn't think about it Mm. or I sewed that without any of the instructions and trust me that day will creep up on you but it will happen and you will suddenly be like oh my goodness I can do this. Now Jess I've realised we didn't mention what biscuits we Uh, eat. We did not did we? What biscuit are you Sam? 
I am eating today a classic digestive, not chocolate, nothing fancy, just a classic digestive. That does sound pretty idyllic. I used to put cheese on classic digestives when I was younger. Cheese and colour digestives is, can I afford a suggestion? They're like, there is a little version of those. If you buy like the cheese of biscuits for cheese box, isn't there? Like the little hovisy bread shape one. That's like a digestive. Yeah. It's on me, but I'm awaiting the arrival of biscuits keenly. Um, and I'm awaiting the arrival of a, a full pack of dark chocolate Kit Kats with my Tesco shop, which are... I don't think that's a biscuit. Oh, but it is to me. But thank you all so much for joining us again. We've had so much fun recording these um, and we're so excited to keep bringing you more episodes. We're halfway through the season now. So if you do like it, please subscribe, um, like, and maybe even leave us a little review on your favourite podcast platform and help us out. And tell your friends. Yes, tell your friends. (laughs) Tell everyone. And keep joining us every two weeks. Um, Until next time. Uh, I've been Jess from Sold by So. And I'm Sam from Secret Girly Creates. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you next time. Bye.